For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Raptors TOT Cast, brought to you by TipOfTheTower.com. As always, I'm Chris Okranitz, and I'm joined by Demar Grant. On this week's podcast, we're going to go through everything with the Raptors that's happened since last Wednesday. That includes the Serge Ibaka rumors that have recently sprung up, Jerry Stackhouse being named as the Raptors 905 coach, DeLon Wright shoulder surgery, and, man, Demar DeRozan absolutely destroying the rim with Team USA. Demar, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Enjoying the enjoying the rumors, even this deep into the offseason. Pretty bizarre. It is a bit bizarre. You know, let's jump right into that right now because I think it's a bit overblown. A lot of what people are getting this rumor out of is what Doug Smith wrote in his blog on Wednesday morning, which was it wasn't necessarily that the Raptors are in hot pursuit of Ibaka. It was more that they would love to pursue Ibaka if he became available. All Smith said was, replying to a fan's question, rest assured at this moment, and all know how things can change. I know a free agent, Serge Ibaka, is very much on their minds, and without knowing the total math or 2017 numbers, I imagine they have a scenario in their mind where it could work. So basically all he said was that the Raptors would like to pursue Ibaka if he was to become available. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a rumor. <laughs> I think that's a known <laughs> fact after that the, the Raptors tried to acquire him at the draft. Your initial thoughts on this, Damar? Yeah, it's just like, um, it's sort of like just commentaries. Why wouldn't the Raptors be pursuing Ibaka? They're not in hot pursuit. They're more like a lion stalking their prey at this point. Yeah, like I feel like he's somebody that they've coveted. This is no secret. And Doug Smith simply just reiterated the fact that, you know, Masai Jerry has made it known that eventually, if he could, he'd like to pursue Ibaka. That's it. Hey, Matt, it's, it's officially August. We need something to talk about. Oh, I totally, yeah, I trust you. I totally understand that part. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needs something to talk about at this point, and the, this is like the serious dark times of NBA uh, NBA year. August. Luckily, we have the Team USA to talk about, but if it weren't for that, and it weren't for this, I don't think we we're talking about anything. <laughs> well, since we're talking about like a clickbait rumor, let's actually hypothetically say Abaka does become available after next season, and let's say because obviously a lot of that will depend on how well he plays this year. Let's say he plays well with Orlando. What's he worth? If you're the Raptors, what are you going to offer him? I'm looking at, uh, remember the cap is going up. Don't forget that. No, to- totally our... understand that part. So if you want to like walk it, we can we can walk this through like totally all the way through where we could say, based on what their cap space is, they can offer him this. I mean, they're going to have to 
lose Patrick Patterson, right, unabashedly. Like, there's no way to retain him or gain anything for him. You just have to lose him and then trade Terrence Ross into the abyss just to open this, just to open the space. That's just to, like, open the space, like, for a to block. open the space. But I feel like they can actually, if you, if, I'm sure if I dug into this enough and actually sat down and, like, crunched the numbers for a little while here, they could make it work where they could keep Patterson and sign Bionbo, or not Bionbo, jeez, Abaka, sorry. I feel like they're going to go into the tax, obviously, but they can make it work. Is he worth the tax? I don't think he's worth the tax. And what kills me is that Abaka, his whole time in Oklahoma City here recently, is he said how he's upset with his role in the offense. You know, He doesn't feel like he was a, a promising part of what Oklahoma City was doing. Obviously, he was overshadowed by Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, but you get the vibe of everything he's saying and how confident he is in his game. He kind of feels like he's a max player in his eyes. Which all the respect and his confidence, but I don't think Abak is a max player at the moment. He would need to have a monster season with Orlando to even justify asking for that. Am I crazy to think power. that? No, man. He's a power forward that like shoots shoots the three and he dunks it. Great rim protector, but like for anybody to really get the max, you need to have some sort of ball handling ability. I mean, in my books, at least. Which I agree with. And another reason why I think that he's not a max player is when you look at the free agents next year, there's going to be a lot of teams bidding for those players. Like. You could potentially have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, LeBron James. Those are the guys that we all know are probably going to go back to where they are because they're on. They're they're just franchise guys. They hardly ever move unless your name's Dwayne Wade, of course, and you're aging. Or Kevin Durant. Or Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's the anomalies. <laughs> or LeBron James at the Heat. But I digress off of that. Other names. One name in particular is Blake Griffin. Another is Gordon Hayward. Those are two players that I feel like are more worthy of the Max and an Ibaka, and teams are going to pursue them first. And Ibaka is kind of going to be this consolation prize. He's not that bad of a consolation prize, to be honest. I don't think I so. Just, but is he a max player, though? Like the, I think his self-perception is just really high, especially when leaving the Thunder. This is probably going to be like a year where he's like going to really decidedly prove himself to the world, showing how good he thinks he really is. All the power to him for that. Hey, man, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for that. If he actually turns into this max player that you know creates off the dribble and has like fadeaway jump shots and all that good stuff, what he thinks he probably is. Yeah, he's definitely worth the max at this point in his career, which looks like he's kind of on the decline, oddly. Yeah, oddly enough, when, especially when you look at his metrics, man. When you look at a lot of his metrics, it's just like, this is a player that is about to hit regression, and that's not a good thing. I think if he can up his three-ball percentage especially, considering how much he likes to relegate himself to a jump shooter, that's pivotal to what him being signed for next year is going to happen, you know? Like, he, he needs to improve his jump shot more. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, improving that jump shot just means that he's more of an afterthought in the offense, you know? Or maybe it's better selection. Like, a lot of times, some of the shots he's taking is like, Surge, why? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, like, the jump shot, like, basically, him being more of a jump shooter allows him to, like, be further away from the basket. So he becomes, you know, less central to the team's plan. Everybody else is doing things. He's kind of like the escape valve for them. His ability to be a stretch four, though, is also arguably his biggest asset. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just, I just think it's his just, shot selection is poor a lot of times. Yeah, you know, it's hard to have really good shot selection when you play for the Thunder, just because there's not enough space on the floor. You have Roberson and Steven Adams taking up space. Is, like, do you really have? Do you really have all the daylight that Golden State has? I don't really think so. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Especially like when they would use him in pick and pop situations, that wasn't necessarily his game either. You'd like to see it eventually become his game. 
but this Oklahoma City ran a totally different offense that wasn't really suitable to what Ibaka does. The Magic this year aren't necessarily going to be any better. Like I, yeah. <laughs> Kim and Vucevic, like up at the top, Aaron Gordon is kind of what just a really good athlete at this point. He's got yeah. to develop more of his game. I mean, he's not a great shooter by any means. So, and then you have um, I was going to say Cameron Payne. Sorry, it was uh, Alfred Payton is going to be the point guard. So he's not a good no shooter shooting. either. <laughs> no shooting on the team. So I have no shooting on the team. So I, I'm wondering what he's going to end up doing. Abaka, he's going to shoot the rock more than before. Hopefully, yeah. But I don't see him doing much action in the paint just because there's not going to be enough space. See what I'm see what I'm talking about? Like he doesn't seem like he doesn't realize that his benefit as a player is being outside of the paint other than on defense. But that's not worth max money. Yeah, and with the Raptors though, like ideally, if they stay with the same offense, he fits that. Like what he does fits what they do. And yeah, just chill out, chill outside, and everybody else will do so. You're the escape valve. Yeah, just knock down Jays, man. That's that's what he has to do for them. Defensively, he'd be a huge addition too. I mean, he could release some pressure from JV. Yeah, that's true. Like he'd be another another rim defender. Uh, I think his lateral motion's a bit underrated. Like he's more athletic than people give him credit for at times. Yeah, so he can switch on defense, which is you know vital. <laughs> yeah, it's vital in today's NBA. Like if you if you can't switch on defense, you're you're pretty much staple to the bench in meaningful games. You can get by in the regular season, but come playoff time and any meaningful game, if you can't switch, you're kind of useless. Like the Luis Scola effect. Bench. <laughs> I mean, it's not fair because Luis was a heck of a player during his actual prime. He was a guy that could switch. He could do all stuff. He was a really underrated player. But as he got older, he just started to get more and more brick feet, you know? He was a statue out there. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. I just, I don't know, man. Serge Ibaka sounds like a great idea, shiny objects. If he's good next year, he's probably going to be too expensive for the Raptors to afford, and he probably won't want to go to the Raptors. And if he's bad next year, it's like, do the Raptors really need him when they have Patrick Patterson? I don't know. It's an interesting argument, because the only way the Raptors would get him to is if they moved a player. And I feel like with what they have on their salary cap, moving Terrence Ross is the key to them making any move. And I hate to keep bringing up that dead horse of, you know, trade Terrence Ross, trade Terrence Ross. It's the antidote to every Raptors fan's problem in terms of trying to acquire somebody. But it is. Like, if if they don't move him, the other option would obviously be to let Lowry walk, there's some cap space, or to let Patterson walk, because those are two of their bigger free agents next year. I don't think the team wants to do either of that. I think they'd like to keep at least one of them. I don't think they're letting go of Lowry. I don't think so either. Kind of rescued uh, Toronto from the Dark Ages. Well, then <laughs> you got to pay him which in turn is going to affect your ability to sign other players. Well, yeah, he is 30 now, so... And, the, you know, who knows how many years he's going to want. Yeah, I mean... How much money he's going to want. In a nutshell, Abaka. The only way, like, I, I get this whole rumor is exciting for fans, and like, like you said earlier, in August. But let's keep in context here that it is August, and there's a long ways to go until then. And I think that's really what Doug was saying as well, is that a lot can change. Like, he said that. So let's tone it down a bit. <laughs> keep, keep your eyes on the prize. We're talking about next next off season, this off season. Yeah, for a guy that might not even be that impactful. Yeah, you know, hopefully, 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 uh, Terrence Ross can pick it up, so we won't even have to worry about this anymore. 
I agree. Or even then they could up his value and then move him for something even better. Yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm a, you know, I don't like Serge Ibaka. I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's a great transcending type player. Like, I think he's somebody who can help you win, but he's not worth the max. And that's, like, my biggest fear with him and everything that we saw transpire in Oklahoma City is that he believes he's a max player. He's not, in my eyes, especially with a, a team like the Raptors. Like, especially not with the Raptors. Well, would a core of DeRozan, Ibaka, and an aging Lowry and Valanciunas be enough to compete in the East? I think it could get to, like, the conference finals, but never the finals. Got to figure out the monolith that is LeBron James. Yeah, and Ibaka doesn't help you do that. Ibaka, yeah, he doesn't help you do that. So, you know, I like him. You like him. It's August. <laughs> it's August. You know, I think it's August. Let's get into some real news then. Jerry Stackhouse just being announced as the Raptors NL five head coach. This past season, he was one of the assistant coaches on Dwayne Casey's bench for the Raptors. He helped coach. He was one of the main coaches for the Raptors summer league team in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Um, this is a pretty big move for Stackhouse, in my opinion. The 18-year vet comes with an awesome pedigree. He is pretty much the trash talk king on the sidelines. I'll give him that. And he works really well with young players. So I think this is a really, really good move for him to join the 905 and be their head coach. What do you think about it? Yeah, he was playing pretty like he was coaching really well in the summer league. <clears throat> so I'm pretty. It feels like that was almost like a tryout period for him. It's a summer league. Summer leagues for everybody. Summer leagues for the referees, the players, coaches. It all depends. It all uh, hinges on whether or not you can make it into the league or not. Looks like he's making it to the D League. No, there isn't really any spot for him in the NBA right now. Plus, he hasn't had that much experience. So, it's a step up, huge step up for him. Well, I think if he wanted to be a head coach in the NBA one day, I think this is the best move for him. If he wanted to just stay an assistant, he could have just stayed on, you know. Casey's staff and kept learning, right? But if he wants to take that next step forward, then I think going down the D-League and learning to how to be a head coach was something he had to do. So his, like, his ability to motivate players, you know, when he was uh, in the locker room, is going to translate very well to the D-League because people want to play for somebody like that. Somebody that's, that's why everybody wants to play or wanted to play for Mark Jackson. You know, like people love his rah-rah type of uh, coaching. Jerry Stackhouse, people love the trash talk. It'll get people, it'll get the the blood going, you know. See, that also can wear thin, though, right? That can wear thin in a hurry. Like, you look at Mark Jackson and what happened with the Warriors. That didn't go so well. You want to, <laughs> you want to go to another sport? You can look at Jim Harbaugh with the Forty ers That team had nothing but success for years under his tutelage, and it was just. The problem with it was that he kept banging the same message over and over, and trying to relate to these players to so like. Sun Tzu quotes and you know football's war and you got to get out there and then these are professional athletes eventually that stuff is going to wear thin with them whereas that's more of like a college mentality and I think Stackhouse I'm not saying he's the same as those guys but if you keep doing the same thing over and over with the young kids it'll work because you're getting new players all the time but with professionals I don't think that'll work in the long term I think that's some things that he's going to figure out in the D League here where he's going to figure out what kind of motivational tools and you know, working with players, like what techniques and whatnot is going to is gonna work for him and translate to the next level. At least in the D-League, you'll have like a mixture of like those young players and older players. So if you notice it not working on the older players, you'll be able to make a transition, you know, in your coaching style. I agree. And I think one of the things that is going to help him too is uh, a lot of players who work with the Raptors this year, they said the thing Stackhouse taught them offensively was just invaluable. 
Like they learn so much. So if that's what he's helping with professional guys, imagine what he can do with the younger guys like let's say um a Delon Wright, Fred Van Fleet, obviously Jakopodel, who we actually saw Stackhouse put in the post and feed him in the post during summer league. That's not very Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish uh is one reason why I wish he was still an assistant for the Raptors is like he'd be in uh, Dwayne Casey's ear. He's like, hey man, pass the ball to Jonas in the post. Yeah, let him go to work. <laughs> but yeah, he should be able to help uh, Jared o- uh, Utah and uh, DeLon Wright in the D-League if DeLon Wright ever recovers from his shoulder injury. Well, yeah, he's he's somebody that uh, just got off surgery. So he's out four months after recovering from a torn labrum now. <sighs> Four months is so much time. It's December, especially, and I especially especially in the summer because you don't get any time to uh to train with the team and you don't get any like personal time to just like train by yourself. That's where most people improve. Yeah, like he's gonna miss so. training camp, which is huge because it's just it's a lot of a lot of reps, and for him to sit there and just take mental reps that can only go so far. Especially for a guy that needs to play more, right? Like he's a good player. He needs to get on the court. And he needs to start start playing. Yeah, he's twenty four, so yeah. there's only so much you can learn from the sidelines. So I feel like this might be another developmental year for him. Yeah, I, every year is supposed to be a developmental year, but this year it seems like it's almost a, it's not a step forward or a step back. It's just like a step sideways. Yeah, like this was supposed to be the step forward year, though. This was supposed to be the year where he kind of comes in, doesn't necessarily take over the second point guard role. He's obviously going to be the third point guard behind Lowry and Joseph, but it was a chance for him to play some real minutes. Yeah, I, hopefully he can uh, get some in December, but... By the time in December, you know, they solidify the rotation unless somebody gets injured. Which, man, would you, like, he's definitely going to require a stint with the 905. I don't even know how ready he'd be by then. Yeah, exactly. So it would be like a January type of thing. So, And then he's going to be bouncing between 905 and the Raptors. So you might, now that I'm thinking about it, he might not even really touch the floor very often. And in the playoffs, you know, he's going to get, uh, carved out of the rotation just because he tightened the rotation in the, the postseason, so. Another year. Are we just, are, are, we, are we seriously thinking about, like, a loss year for DeLon right here? I think this might be, and, like, I hate to say that, but I'm just looking at the way everything's shaping up. I feel like this year might be another year to, like, what he had last year. Minimal playing time, lots of development, most of, the bulk of what he's going to do is going to come with the 905. Which I think for the Raptors is disappointing because they were hoping this guy would be able to step up and actually carve out a spot in rotation. Yeah, him and Corey Joseph are the same age, right? And uh, being a 24, luckily he was was an older player when he got drafted, so they still have two more years after this year and their team options. And DeLon Wright's a good defender, that's the thing. That's why I was hoping he would actually, you know, be healthy and get in the rotations because he can actually defend point guards pretty well. He's got the long arms, great frame. Yeah, Dwayne Casey would love him. I just need, you know, DeLon needs to shoot the ball better, but the defense is what, you know, allows you to stick on the floor. Yeah, that's Coach Casey through and through. Another thing with the Raptors 905 is they made the signing of Gerard Utah official. We talked about him on the last podcast. He is a, a 3 and D player, but neither of us really see the D in him. We just see threes and probably a couple of years of the 905. Fair? <laughs> this is very fair. You know, hopefully he can get some defensive training. You know, one like uh, gripes with the 905 is it doesn't seem like it de- develops defense. You know, everybody in the 
in the D League is trying to like prove themselves to like their scouts or their coach or whatever, so that they seem like they can play in the NBA. Kind of hard to do that with defense. Yeah, I feel like the D League is a different game altogether. Uh, teams try to instill their systems in it. Like obviously the Raptors, their offense that they play with the Raptors is also with the 905. It's not the same, but I feel like you're just really trying to get guys acclimated with the system and just create organizational continuity. And the way the, the D-League plays sometimes is you kind of see it just turn into this free free reign running gun game. Like, right, so I don't know, if, like, how... I hate to come down on the D-League, but, like, how is that supposed to be conducive to my development for players? Guys are playing... I mean, what they're going to tell you... I mean, what anybody would tell you, in my opinion, is that it's up to the organization to instill that, right? Like, it's their job to develop the players, not the D-League. Okay. Okay, I can believe it. I just want to see it happening. This could going to like start to become a problem with the Raptors where you know they keep getting these like draft picks and they're players that are you know pretty good players but you never get to play them because uh you know we're contending for a playoff spot and it feels like the team is trying to go all in so you by having like you know Jakob Pertl who you should probably play but like Delon Wright you know Bruno Guerra and now uh Utah like these are guys that seem like they were on the 76ers, they would be playing. Or even if they were on the Lakers, they would be playing. But since they're on the Raptors, and the Raptors are like actually playing very well, they're not really getting enough time to actually develop on the floor. This is the best place to develop as a player is like in the NBA. Here's the thing. I, I do, but here's the thing with the Lakers and the Sixers. They're albatrosses. They're terrible. Like I feel like I could pick some random guys and they could get burned. They get playing time. Yeah, but if okay, like if you're on the you know, on the Jazz, you know, you don't think Delon Wright's going to get time to play on the Jazz? Oh, for sure he would. I think a hundred percent he would because their point guard situation is also a mess. But I just I get what you're saying with the Raptors, and I feel like that's where Stackhouse going to the D League is even more important. Is that he's going to help these guys develop into NBA players? That's at least the hope, right? But I just feel like with the Raptors too, if they're going to keep this rotation eight nine guys roughly. There isn't really room for a lot of rookies. They got to be exceptionally good. Okay, then they got to develop replacements because uh, Lowry and Carroll are starting to get old. You know, which are in their thirty, they're going to be north of thirty starting like basically the end of next year. So, which are they not trying to do through the through the D League right now with Delon Wright, possibly Van Fleet, and then if you want to go on the wing there, I hate to go there, but Bruno Caboclo. Yo, Bruno. Yeah, I know. I think you knew I was going down that road, but obviously young Bruno is an option, and then Gerard Utoff. Like, there's players. Yeah. There's players. They still got to play on the floor, man. I agree, and there's only one way you can find out. You got to play them. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully they get some playing time. Unfortunately, DeLon Wright does not look like he'll get, be getting playing time. At least not till the new year. Oh, man. I like him, dude. That's like the word that's why. Same. I really like him. I have high expectations for him. That's why I hate that he's out for so long. But, you know, you, can't, you can only do so much with one shoulder. One last little note on the coaching situation, though, especially with Stackhouse going to 905. That's an opening on the Raptors bench now. Um, I think they're going to try and sign somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know who, but mm-hmm. I feel like Dwayne Casey's going to add somebody <laughs> in the coming weeks. I know. I don't know who yet. I'd have to go back and look at the coaching tree and try and find somebody who's available. A lot of times what coaches will do is go back through their coaching trees of whoever they've coached with over the years and get somebody based off things like familiarity, 
similar philosophies, just things that are easy that can create a congruent match, you know? Like, that's something I could see Dwayne Casey doing. A lot of these guys come from his past. What I would love to see him do is something like uh, Steve Kerr, where he's just like, I just need a young mind that I can just have here on the bench and bring me out-of-the-box ideas. I don't know how, if Dwayne Casey, you know, Dwayne Casey seems like an old-school dude, so it doesn't look like he's going to do that, but I think that would be the best idea, especially for this Raptors team. It has, like, a mix of young and old talent, and then, like, a mix of styles. See, it's funny because they a lot of people thought that uh, their player development coach, Jama Malele, he was going to be the guy that would step up and kind of get this role with uh, the Raptors. But according to Raptors Republic's Blake Murphy, he's not that interested in the idea of going to coach the Raptors, and the Raptors are more interested in keeping him in a player development role. Found that kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a shame, dude. You know, some people like tend to like their lo- their roles really well. You know, he probably has like some sort of routine. Doesn't really have- want to change it up. I can understand it, but help the team. <laughs> you know what though? Maybe he is best suited helping the team in a way of developing players. Maybe he's not like the greatest in terms of you know game management and other situations that are uh, you're asked to do more of as an NBA assistant coach. I think he might just enjoy helping young guys develop and. Man, all the power to you for that. That's a very, very important piece of an NBA organization. All right, so Raptors have an open spot. It's going to be interesting to see who they grab because they haven't really made any sort of indication. Yeah, I think we'll hear. We'll start to hear some stuff in the next, I want to say a week or so. We'll start to hear some rumors trickle out there. I'm, I'm curious as to who it'll be, but I feel like we're definitely going to hear something about it. I would say by, you know, the third week of August, we'll, they'll have somebody in that position. Like the middle of the Olympics, we're gonna get this weird. <laughs> yeah, or like even like post Olympics. Okay. We'll, we'll get something out of there. Speaking of the Olympics, Demar Derozan, Kyle Lowry, obviously play for Team USA. Um, I don't even feel like you have to be living under a rock to not have seen what Demar Derozan's been doing, even if you don't like basketball. No, if you've been living under a rock, the rock should have exploded after the dunks that he's been throwing down. For sure. And even if you, like, mindlessly scour the internet for, like, ideas or you're on Twitter or, you know, Instagram, you've definitely seen the videos by accident. This dude has been just destroying the rim. Oh, yeah, dude, it's gorgeous, especially the 360. You know, even though he missed it, it seems like it's been generating as as much buzz as, like, if he actually hit it. Yeah, I think the what-if buzz has been greater than the he-did-it buzz, (laughs) which is crazy. I love it because... um, it looks like he's putting on a show, you know, trying to uh, put his stamp on the USA team. What's funny for me, too, is that, at least something I noticed, is a lot of his dunks are coming near the end of the game, and these games are blowouts. They're well out of hand. And a lot of times, players will just dribble the clock out. DeMar is just hammering these things down as the clock's expiring. <laughs> like, it's it's fun to watch. Uh, uh, Coach K even told him to, like, tone down the showboating, you know, and that I feel like those dunks are going to be part of the showboating that he's talking about toning down because showboating you're doing yeah man 360 dunks over your, your chinese contemporaries doesn't really doesn't really do well for uh, relations yeah oh, god it's not man that's not really showboating you don't see him like going around he's just, he's just dunking <laughs> on dudes like they were up by like 50 points and he's just like you know what would be amazing if i just 360 slammed it on this well he said he had no idea what he was thinking i don't, I don't know if you saw okay. that he uh he talked about today on Wednesday at U.S. camp, and he said, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. I just did it. Mm-hmm. So I found that pretty interesting, that he's yeah. playing and he's not thinking. 
No, that's actually the best way to, to play. It's like uh, the game being an extension of self. Easiest to play that way. Yeah, and if it results in 360s on top of guys' heads, then I'm all for it. <laughs> Me too. I, can do, I can't wait until the Olympics to actually see what he pulls out of the bag. I'm curious. Well, they played China in their first game, so... It's going to be like a battle for the first five minutes, and then the U.S. is probably going to crush them. I'll take the under on the five minutes, by the way. Under on under on the five minutes? Really? That seems brutal. Oh. No disrespect to them, but the U.S. is in a different class. There is no way the U.S. should lose this tournament. Hey, man, they say that every year, and then there was a couple of years, man. There were a couple of Olympics. That was like eight years ago. Well, that was longer than that now. What, eight years ago? Yeah. Twelve years ago? I'm trying to think. They're just they're so much more improved now. And Spain, Argentina, teams like that have gotten worse in my opinion. Yeah, they've aged. So it's pretty much the US versus the field. I think you could uh, pretty pretty easily take the US against the field, which is amazing. I'd take that, but you probably get good odds too. Yeah, cuz you thought you could do that with the Warriors this year and you would have lost. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, it's true. Anything is possible. So don't. So when you see this team USA, Demar Derozan throwing it down, just remember, you can lose at any time, which would be amazing to watch. It kind of be amazing to watch them lose, just because Team USA is so used to winning. I feel like you know the whole narrative surrounding them would be a pretty, pretty spectacle to watch. I just like I wanted to see it for the drama, basically. I just don't see it happening, to be honest. I don't see them losing. Okay. Remember the Warriors. And it just happened. It's not even like I'm talking about like 2007 Patriots. You know, the Warriors thing just happened. Amazing team. I mean, this USC team is not even the best team that would be able to field. It's not the best team, but it's still significantly better than anybody else in this tournament. Like the Warriors, they were better than everybody, better than everybody in the NBA. But you can make a case for some teams to give them a competitive game. You would be really hard pressed to make a case. A strong case of how a team could give the U.S. a run for their money. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to uh, be out here for the people that want to take the field. You know, they need an advocate somewhere. Devil's advocate, maybe. <laughs> well, I'll take their money. <laughs> well, yeah, Demar Derozan, man. I, even there was an alley oop that Kyle uh, Lowry had tapped back. You know, they were running out of bounds. That I feel like he was going to go like between the legs with it, where Jimmy Butler had stolen the dunk. Tell me you saw that. I did. I did. I've I've actually like had no interest in watching the US games prior to the first game. And then when I realized all this like the dunks and all that, I'm like, you know what? You gotta watch them. I'll watch them. That's like the the main see that's the thing for DeMar right now. It's like he's the main draw for the USA team. Yeah, and actually like, for me it's mostly watching what DeMar's gonna do next. I've tuned into yeah. the games for that reason. It's like we're Raptors fans, but you know, the entire entire country is talking about him and there's nobody really doing anything else interesting on that team. No. Like you get you get to watch Kevin Durant, you know, pal around with Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Yeah, that's cute. Oh. They're getting all cuddly and stuff. Even the Snapchats are from DeMar DeRozan's account. Man, the whole, like, watching those guys yuck it up, I can see why people are going to hate the Warriors this year. They're good. Oh, man, they're going to despise They're going to despise the Warriors, but the Warriors are going to have the best, like, cool kids club of all time. Cool kids club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I can see where this is going to go with that. Fan. Ah. The animosity <laughs> is going to be something fierce. You know, for the Heat, when uh, LeBron had joined that team, they were wearing red and black. So 
it's easy to hate on a team that's wearing red and black because people typically associate that with the enemy, yep. the danger. Warriors wearing blue and gold, man. Are you going to hate on the blue and gold? It's not going to matter. Oh, the hate is going to be real. It's going to be off the charts. <laughs> uh, Anything else I to like close off with with the Olympics there or no? So, can I say one more time? I can't wait until the regular season. I can't wait until it starts. Okay, if, you, if you're going to say that, then, then you know what? I'm giving a shout-out to my boy, JaVel McGee, for getting the contract to join Golden State at camp. JaVel, what if he turns into an actual good player? It's possible. If he stops Shaq in a fool, I mean, this is a two-time Shaq in a fool champion. <laughs> like, if JaVel can get it together, you know? That actually would turn into like a behemoth, like an actually unstoppable team. Yeah, he dominated a Drew, Drew League game last week. Uh, I know I'm reaching a lot now, but I just want to see yeah. JaVel McGee get out there and ball <laughs> out with his team. I want to see Durant. I want to see Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and JaVel McGee. <laughs> JaVel McGee. Just say that aloud. I just, I just want to <laughs> see that, dude. That started that, – this has to be a starting five. I just want to see them on the court together. That's it. And I just want to see these guys laugh when they throw, like, no-look passes to JaVel McGee and it goes, like, right through his hands in the first row. And he's just like, oh, man. <laughs> two times shagged in the pool champion to you. And he's stupid athletic. Like, JaVel McGee is one of the best athletic big men we've seen in a while. Yeah, so if he can just, like, you know, the Warriors are typically a smart team, right? If he can just, like, glean some information off of these guys, I, that's what I'm saying. That he could be, like, an unstoppable team. Yeah, because you know, his basketball IQ is, let's be honest, the basketball basketball IQ isn't very high. It's primitive, right? But like, all you all you have to do is like catch alley oops, dunk the ball, and block block shots. You don't really need to be a uh, high intellect and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? I totally understand, especially on a team like the Warriors. Yeah, they're like literally going to the screen and go to the net. Doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> screen and dive all day. Just screen and dive. I think he can get that. Yeah. Rebound, you know. Hit the outlet, man. And Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green are going to have a lot of practice on Team USA throwing those lobs to DeAndre. <laughs> that is actually true. That is yeah. true. I, I, I think with us talking about JaVel McGee, <laughs> it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm probably one yeah. of the few players, well, few people out there who – Really enjoys watching JaVale McGee play because I think it's hilarious and it's also awesome at times when he puts it all together. But I know I'm a very, very small percentage. <laughs> I'm a very, very, very small percentage. Some people are probably like, how the hell is this guy like JaVale McGee? Yeah. Oh, man. People know who he is, though. He's infamous, not famous. Infamous. Yeah, he's a two-time Shaq and the Fool champion. you got to know who this guy is, man. I think Shaq did as much as the stock for him as he did making those stupid plays. Oh, it's going to be a great season for him. <laughs> and DeMar DeRozan, man. If he could just replicate what he's doing right now. Ooh, I, I've been drinking the DeMar DeRozan Kool-Aid a little bit this off season. I'll be the first to admit that. I think he's going to have a really, really good season coming up. I won't spoil it now, but when we get closer to the season, expect me to uh, you know, try and sell you a little bit on him. All right, you be on that side of the fence, and I'm going to be on this side of the fence. You could buy, Actually, you know what? You can buy all your, your houses in stock at DeMar DeRozan Island. I'm just going to stay over here on the shore. We're not an island. We're we're actually like a metropolis, just so you know. Oh, 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 okay. okay. We're uh, the yeah, third richest contract in NBA history, so we can buy a lot of things now. <laughs> just an FYI. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, okay, man. <laughs> On that note, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's podcast. As always, I'm Chris O'Kranitz. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Kranitz. You can follow Demar Grant on Twitter at Demar J. Grant. If you like what you're hearing and you want to follow the show and you want to follow the website, you can follow us on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can also like our Facebook page at Tip of the Tower. Please subscribe to the show as well. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, also at Tip of the Tower. Anything social media, anything website, anything you want to find us, Tip of the Tower is what you got to type in to find it, and it will pop up right away. Thank you for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the Olympics. Take care. Here, Dave. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.